You may have heard of us, but you might not know Bank First is a community bank that has no fee ATM access, interest, and perks earning checking accounts. With online and mobile banking, mortgages for every stage of life, and modern business banking for businesses, small and big. We keep it all together to put you first. Do you bank with us? You should. Bank First is an equal housing lender and a member FDIC. Well, it's a couple days after Christmas. I'm Bart Gregory along with Charlie Winfield. It's Wednesday morning. I guess this could be Wednesday coffee. We didn't have Sunday coffee this past week. We thought that you and your family deserved a week off from us. And so we're back at it, back in the studios, here in the Farm Bureau studios in downtown Startwell. Farm Bureau, go with the home team at Farm Bureau. You can check them out at favorites.com. They have agents all across the state of Mississippi, home life, auto, whatever you need in the insurance world. See our friends at Farm Bureau. Merry Christmas, Charlie. Well, thank you. Yeah, I don't think I told you that before Christmas or during Christmas. No, can I confess something? Yes. Um, you know what I did on Christmas? I never even looked at my phone for quite a while. So a lot of people get up and they send the, you know, Merry Christmas messages and that kind of thing. I, I didn't read them until later that day. Yeah, I had a couple of text messages last night wishing me a Merry Christmas, and I have not replied quite yet. I did exactly the same thing. I sent the obligatory tweet telling everybody Merry Christmas on the 24th. And then I got off of Twitter. I got away from the Book of Face. I did watch some Instagram reels. That's about it. That was my that was my social media. The only thing that I did wrong is I got on the internet uh, message boards a little while, and Ooh. that kind of threw me off because it you know everybody um, debating about nil on Christmas just uh, <laughs> I just couldn't you know there's just like one day a year you like to just. Well, I shouldn't say one. Easter, Thanksgiving, Christmas, you just like to disassociate, but it's it's hard to do. Yeah, did you get on any of the Facebook groups? No. You know no, these I've these Facebook giving that up. Yeah, I gave up the uh the Facebook groups too. Anyway, hey, you uh you went to Newark, did you not? I did. So I got away, you know, after signing day and after all those things had gone on, just wanted to get out of town for a couple of days and Wanted to, you know, my daughter, I think I've told you, is getting married in February. Of course, you know that. And That's before know. before baseball season. Yes, the week before opening day. And so, but it was kind of a time, just a quick little trip to take the kids, take the wife, take the plus ones, and uh, get out of town for a couple of days. See New York at Christmas time. We'll talk about that some later because I have some New York thoughts for you. I won't bore you with those now. And go to a basketball game. And I thought a couple of things out of this basketball game. Mississippi State obviously beating Rutgers 70-60. to 60. A few things jump out at me. First, that is among the least neutral of neutral site games outside of an NCAA tournament scenario. When you're playing UConn and Hartford? Yeah, or I remember when we played Texas and Austin back when Derek Zimmerman and yep. those guys were here. We played New Mexico women's basketball in the pit. Yeah, and so th- it was not – it wasn't that level, but it was It was a road game. It was very much a road game. In fact, we went in, and an older gentleman, a Rutgers fan, stopped my wife. She had a Mississippi State sweatshirt on, and he stopped her and says, are you really from Mississippi? You're like, <laughs> you came up here for this? 
And you're one of the you're you're one of the like you guys really live. I mean, it was like interviewing <laughs> an alien to see somebody actually from Mississippi. But I, I learned a couple of things. First, we we were able to sit behind the bench, and that's a cool experience. Once you can't watch a game no. sitting right behind the bench like that at all, and there's a few reasons. First, there's a lot of distractions. Second, everybody stands up. We've gotten so deep into watching signs and doing those things. There's basically two rows to our bench. And on the first row, you've got Chris Jans, James Miller. Those guys are standing up talking to each other a lot. But then you have people on the row behind them. And they're standing up looking at the other bench, picking up signs, doing all these things, all legal. We're not dealing with a, a Michigan scenario here. Or Auburn. You know, we're not videotaping practice or anything. Right. But you Alleged, allegedly. Allegedly. But you couldn't see a thing. But it was cool. So I actually had to go back and watch a lot of highlights to figure out what actually happened in the game. But it was a very much a road game. I hope that when the seedings are done and those things are taken into account, that that is adjusted and treated as such because it was a very much a Rutgers crowd. They weren't like – Yankee level, they weren't Met level. They, they were, were they Syracuse level? No, no, they they were just. They had a few people who wanted to kind of go hard. They were casual fans, but they couldn't they couldn't pull it off. It's, it was almost you know like the guy who wants to stand up and give the biting criticism, but it's just so empty. The volume was there, the content was not. Yeah, you know I I was uh, we were in Tampa. Several years ago, we played Detroit in Tampa. I think it was Detroit. No, we played DePaul in Tampa. This was like 2009. It's been a while. And Syracuse played Florida. And Syracuse fans are very similar to Yankees fans, Mets fans, where they're just overly obnoxious. I mean, I've never cared about Syracuse at all. The only time I cared about Syracuse was trying to beat them in the Final Four. In the the Final Four. Or Rocky's first game in 1986. But other than that, Syracuse just doesn't drive the needle to me. But since that day of sitting in front of Syracuse fans, I pull against Syracuse. You've circled those games, huh? Any chance uh, any chance I can watch Syracuse basketball. So I didn't know if Rutgers fans, I didn't feel like they would probably be in that same category at all. No, they weren't. But they were. it was very much a road game. And it was a big arena. In fact, after the game, they were doing everything they could to get people out of there. They had hockey that night. Because they had hockey that night. And it was not a stand-around, talk, hug your loved ones kind of thing. It was a game's over, get your coat, don't forget anything, see you at the door. <laughs> and so, But it was a good win. I think a few things about this basketball team are kind of jumping out. One, we've got a game Sunday. You have to think Tolu, maybe. i got a feeling we're going to see him. It's almost like uh, when Bednar was hurt a few years ago, you saw him for like an inning one weekend, and the next weekend you saw him for like two innings, and then by the week four you saw him for five. Tolu may be that way, son. I'm not, I don't know. I don't know if you know. Charlie and I are doing the game. We have been told we're doing the game. We have been emailed to let us know we're doing the basketball game. So we will do the basketball game on Sunday. Good Lord willing, and the creek don't rise, as they say. But this may be the one inning for Tolu. This may be the 
the two or three to five minute stretch. Am I wrong? Or hey, he he may come in and play twenty five minutes. Who knows? I would if you made me. You remember Price is Right? You'd have to pick a price, and it had to be within so much. One dollar. You know, you had to pick a range on some of the games. And so, no, that's the uh, the bid without going over. Right. No, but they have one of the games where you got like a five or six range, and you had to put it on a price. And had to, so if you made me, if you gave me plus or minus three, so if I had a six-minute range, I'd put Tolo at 12. Yeah, I could see that. And I'd say he's going to go nine to 15. Now, there. I, I will say this. I just hope we're not having the same issues with Bethune-Cookman that we had with Southern. So that may drive up the minutes a little bit if it's that situation. Well, no, yeah, I, I don't even like to factor that <laughs> in as a possibility. Hey, but let's talk about this uh, Rutgers game a minute. I think a few things jump out. One, it is very clear over the past two ball games that Chris Jans has made the decision to shrink his rotation. And I think that is a good decision. I think we're playing better because of it. Now, what that means right now is that Trey Fort and Andrew Taylor, who was not available for that game, are both kind of the only outside looking in. That's not to say you're not going to play, but if you look at the rotation at the one through three spot, DJ Jeffries, Shaq Moore, Deshaun Davis, Sean Jones, Josh Hubbard, that's your – that's your guys who are going to be playing those spots. Okay, let me let me ask you this question because I don't know. I don't go to practice, and and neither do you. Wouldn't you attribute the shrinking of the roster or the shrinking of the minutes to, okay, these are the guys who are going to give me the most on the defensive end? I would, but the other thing I would say is analytically – if you look at it, that group of people, if you take those three positions, when you have three of the five players that I just mentioned to you on the floor versus having even just two of them, the plus minus is significantly to the better. Meaning just analytically, we are better in the plus minus when those guys are in the ballgame. So what you're saying is if two of those five is on the floor, we're not a very good basketball team. Anytime one of those five is – Anytime there is one of those spots being filled by somebody other than those people, the plus minus just isn't as good. And so I think a lot of that, you can look at a DJ Jeffries, take the Rutgers game. And DJ can, you know, you just look at him and you say, man, that guy ought to be giving you more. He ought to be scoring more. But just about every game, when you pull up the defensive analytics, he's right near the top. And that's where he was again. Well, so many times in sports today, and it's not just basketball, it's it's everything. You look at the offensive stats and that's it. And not realizing in, in football, okay, you look at a defensive lineman and you start looking at tackles and you can get lost in the productivity of a defensive lineman by the number of tackles. I think we're getting lost in the productivity of D.J. Jeffries by looking at the points column completely. Because what he gives you on the defensive end, he played 34. He played the most – well, he played the second most minutes, Cam Matthews. What Cam Matthews and D.J. Jeffries do on the defensive end makes you a very good basketball team. Now, the guy who was really good, the best defensive rating in the ball game, and it isn't close. It's not close, was Jimmy Bell Jr. Oh, yeah. And there are a million reasons why you can go into that and say that's the case. But the biggest thing he did – is he took a guy and just shut him down. The Omaru, Omarui, whatever you want to say, 
their post player, here's what he gave them. Number 11, if you were watching. Three points on one of three shooting. One of those came at the free throw line. Zero rebounds, zero assist, five fouls in 20 minutes. And that goes back to we talk all the time about how matchup is important. You put a thin guy, you put a guy that's not built out, and you want him to try to bang down low with Cam Matthews and Jimmy Bell, it's going to be a long day. Well, Richard Williams and I talked about this you know, extensively about a month ago about Jimmy Bell. And 17 points and 18 rebounds, 29 minutes. And we see what he's doing on the floor right now. He's the SEC Player of the Week. And, what? You know, hey, this this the obvious. I mean, if you didn't have Jimmy Bell in the first few games of the season, where would you be? And so the pickup of bringing him in was so huge. But what Jimmy Bell did when he got here compared to when the season began, what nobody sees – and dropping the weight, he's in the best shape he's ever been in in his life. I mean, he lost a bunch. Of, he came in at over 300 pounds. He dropped a bunch of weight. He's playing lighter. And I tell you what, Charlie, I don't know where we would be without Jimmy Bell because you didn't know you were going to have Keyshawn Murphy get hurt. You didn't know you were going to get Tolu get hurt. But, man, if we didn't have Jimmy Bell. All right, think about this. So, in that ball game, keep in mind, this is a ball game where Cam Matthews had 11 rebounds. D.J. Jeffries had six. Shaq Moore had five, okay? So I've already told you 22 of the rebounds. In the ballgame, Jimmy Bell rebounded 34% of the missed shots that were taken when he was on the game, on the floor. (laughs) One out of every three missed shots, actually slightly better, Jimmy Bell was getting the rebound. That's not just among his teammates. That's among everybody That's every shot taken, yeah. I mean, between he and Cam Matthews, that was 29 rebounds total. Rutgers only had 26. Think about that. You had those two together. Basically, they rebounded half the missed shots in the ballgame. Yeah. I mean, it's half the missed shots at least while they were in the game. So, Cam Matthews, they were really good. So, all right, so we hit on the point. Number one, you're shrinking your rotations. Number two, Jimmy Bell Jr., I, I get it when Tolu comes back. He's a backup, but to put the period on our discussion of him, he's he's not a number two. He's a one. He's he's the old uh, what was it we had in the old was it Jeff Collins years? Yeah, the one A one B. He he's a one A or a one B, whatever you want to say. But he, I mean, the guy went seventeen and eighteen. Now, for the same reason that Jimmy Bell, I thought, beat up their guy and to go back to the matchup, Keyshawn Murphy got eight points in the ball game. Excuse me. Not eight points. He had two points, but he had only eight minutes played. I thought when you go back to the game we played against North Texas and Murph has that big game and he's everywhere, he's scoring, he's rebounding, this was a game that the matchup was no good for him. No, because they had some guys like him. Not as tall as him, but they had some athletic guys. And, two, he took his only shot, and it was a quick three from the top of the key, and he missed it by about three feet. It was the biggest air ball. I mean, it was bad. And so he only had two points, and both came at the free throw line. He only played eight minutes. And I think you could see that matchup just wasn't there. Yeah, only had one rebound. This was a game down low where Cam, it was a Cam Matthews-Jimmy Bell kind of game because you just beat them up. And I thought, conversely, Murph wasn't able to outquick guys, and I, I thought that hurt him. I'll tell you the other thing we saw in the ball game that we have not seen, a team that was just dead set 
on not allowing Josh Hubbard to have good looks. No, then they covered him up. They covered our guards up pretty good. When you we what did we shoot four of sixteen? I think we shot twenty five percent behind the three point line. And so now Rams played well. He did. Deshaun Davis played well. He was it from the guard standpoint. So Rams gave you thirteen points, seven assists, didn't turn it over in thirty one minutes. Well, you would take that every day. But otherwise, this was a game that we won down low. Yeah. And we won it down low without our all American. Yeah. And so, and you knew, and we're going to have those nights where we're not shooting the basketball well. We're going to have to win some ugly games like this. We didn't play well in the first half. I mean, it was only 29-29 at the half. And I'm looking at every Rutgers game to see, you know, they played some some decent teams this year that have beaten them 15 to 18 points. But the second half, you could tell we kind of pulled away a little bit. Hey, one of the things before we, you know, switch gears a little bit, what was the Achilles heel for this team among a lot of people last year was shooting free throws. We were 22 of 26 at the free throw line in what they tried to make a physical basketball game. And so it's not only just going to the line, it's who you send to the free throw line, but Jimmy Bell and Cam Matthews are combined 11 for 12 at the free throw line. So when you've got post players or guys along your front line going to the free throw line, if they're making free throws, we were 14 of 17 in the second half. And so we shot the free throws extremely well. All right, when you look at this team, who to you, obviously getting Tolu back changes things. Or you assume it does. You hope it does. But, again, it's what Jimmy Bell had 17 points and 18 rebounds. And so you start to say, how much better than that are you going to be anyway? Right? But you will be better. Is there any way, is there any possible way you ever see those guys on the court together? together? Yeah. I don't really think so, but. So if, if that's the case, you put Tolu at the four, put Jimmy Bell at the five. Move Cam to three. Move Cam to three. I mean, if it's if it's the right team, and if it's the right moment, I wish we'd do it just for sport. You know, <laughs> maybe Sunday might be the only day to do it. Um, where do you see us having a chance to get better at guard? Well, I think uh, I think Deshaun Davis, first of all, is what you thought he could be coming in from Oregon State. I mean, he was an assist machine out in you know out in Corvallis. And so when you get seven, you know, seven assists and no turnovers out of your point guard position, and then you get 13 points, that's just added gravy there. So you would think that if you're looking to get more productivity, it's going to have to come from that shooting guard position. And you just wonder going forward, hey, and you wonder were things opened up because Rutgers was putting so much pressure on a Josh Hubbard. Shaq Moore didn't get many great looks. They did not double a ton in the post. No. Because that was one of the – well, I don't know if it was a mistake. A decision they made was they were going to try to defend Bell one-on-one, and that didn't go so well when they tried it. And so, you know, old-time coaches will tell you, hey, if if we're going to make it a situation where if you're going to beat us, you're going to beat us from the outside, Rutgers did the complete opposite. They were like, if you're going to beat us, you're going to beat us down low. And that's what happened. Am I wrong for saying that? No, I think that's absolutely right. So now, okay, what are what are teams going to do in this league? They're going to match you up down low a little bit better than what Rutgers did. So now the question is, is what do they choose to do? Double down low, make you shoot it from the outside? Because 
Josh Hubbard rushed a couple of those shots. You could tell a couple of those. You know, when you miss the first two or three, then uh, then all of a sudden it gets in your head a little bit. And so he was just trying to get get some shots off in a hurry. But just because he was covered up, they were overplaying some screens on top. Big time. At least and keep in mind as I say this, as best I could see it. No, oh, yeah. <laughs> Staring at the backs <laughs> of people. Well, hey, this is um, – I don't know if this is Wednesday coffee, Sunday coffee on a Wednesday, just Bart and Charlie getting together. But I want to thank our good friends at Strange Brew Coffee House. Strange Brew, right here on uh, Spring Street and Highway 12 in the heart of Starkville, also in Tupelo as well, Brupolo, Tuscaloosa as well. So strangebrewcoffeehouse.com. I had a number of people text me saying, hey, I got the pods, got the blueberry flavor pods. I have one guy saying I'm sitting in a tree, tree stand right now drinking Strange Brew coffee, and I'm listening to old Bart and Charlie episodes because you haven't given us any new content. I was like, man, hey, we needed a break. We needed to kind of recharge a little bit. Charlie, I don't know about you, man, but um, I've been tired. I mean, with everything going on, with signing day here, with basketball starting, football winding down, I needed about three or four days just to get out to the farm, get away from the phone, set some fires, do a little uh, little outdoor work, got the lathe out, made a few turkey calls. So, man, I just uh, I became Farmer Bart for about three days, and I needed that from a mental standpoint. You know what I need from a mental standpoint? The closing of all transfer portals. Because <laughs> that's something we have not discussed, and that is the change that the NCAA has made. And this one, I understand why. So a lot of people look at things and they say the NCAA is ruining things. The NCAA is just reacting to things. These aren't decisions they want to make. But during my trip, I learned that the NCAA has issued guidance to the schools basically saying that anybody who transfers this year, whether you have transferred before or not, is going to be eligible. So now what it does is it creates two sets of pressures. The first is a player on your roster who has already transferred. Of course, they can already transfer a second time once they graduate. Yes. But now you could take someone who was a freshman, and they transfer out. And a lot of schools have built their team in the transfer portal with the idea that once we get them, they're stuck here. They're unstuck. Now they can move again. It's going to be an interesting dynamic when these bowl games end. How many young players who burn that transfer year early and now get another are going to have to fight harder to keep some of those guys? But it's, So what it does is if you take a guy on your roster, you thought you had him because he transferred, he burned the year, not anymore. The second thing that it does, though, is it takes young players who were often discouraged from transferring by the idea that, hey, you don't want to blow your transfer a year now. You want to wait. You want to wait, see if you get better, and then you can think about transferring, and you kick the can down the road. Well, now, at least for – you don't know that this rule will stay in place next year, but it's got to change the thinking of some of those players. When does the transfer portal close? The this, last day, This first one. The last date is open is January 2nd. So now, next Tuesday. Yeah, now for teams in the playoff, different story. They get a little time after their game. But for the mere mortals, January 2nd is the last day to go in. And that's the last time you can put your name in the portal. Now, as far as signing 
someone from that portal? When do you have to have that signing done so that they will be here in time for spring spring practice or spring classes? Well, they got to be here for school, basically. Yeah. And so, wouldn't school start in the middle of the month? I have no idea. And then, well, now they get like eighteen weeks for Christmas. For, well, you have that inter, that intercession or whatever. But yeah, so the other thing to know is this because I know there's been some discussion about, hey, this guy said he's going in the portal, he's not showing up in the portal, and why is that? The process to go into the portal at all schools basically you have a contact, typically it's someone in compliance. And you send them a message, you call them, and you say, hey, I want in. They then have 48 hours. Some schools appear to think that that is a business day type thing. Others treat it as pure 48 hours. But there's a 48-hour period then before the school has to put you in. So they can put you in immediately, but they don't have to. And so sometimes when people say they're going in, they may not necessarily be in. The point of that is... Someone at 11.59 p.m. on January 2nd could send a message saying, I want in. That's good enough. Yeah, even though it may not be released until January the 4th. That's right. Do you see much more movement in the in the last five, six days in this deal? Do you, do you expect to see a lot more people entering the port? I'm not talking about just Mississippi State. I'm talking about elsewhere around the SEC in the last week, or has everybody kind of gotten it out there? No, I'd say we're probably about two-thirds of the way through. Yeah. I'd say there's a lot more to come because the amount of tampering that's taking place is just absolutely phenomenal. And so what you're going to have, and look, your smaller schools, I looked last night, um, was it Rice and Texas State playing? Yeah. Well, those a lot of guys on those teams, particularly the guys who were standouts, are going to be waking up this morning thinking, you know, I wonder if I got Kansas State was watching. I want you know. So, well, it's like uh, like a lot of high school co- or a lot of college coaches used to go to the high school championships or watch the high school games on tape. You got scouting departments that are watching bowl games right now, saying, "Man, this dude had a pretty good game in the guaranteed rate bowl or whoever yeah. that is." You know, Where, where's he from? Yeah, who's I wonder who his high school? <laughs> we coach need another was. safety. Yeah. Well, we we had signing day. Last week, well, everybody had signing day last week. Where would you think, and of course, you know, there's a big mixture of high school kids, or junior college transfers, Division One transfers that Jeff Levy brings in with his first class. Just by gauging things, I mean, I don't think we're at the, at the final mark of where we're going to be at all. I mean, you're, you're going to see a, a team that continues to recruit and continues to sign, am I right? Oh, yeah, absolutely. I think there's... A lot more to come before you can close the book on this class. That being said, I think Mississippi State did a good job of addressing some needs. Obviously, State needs more guys in the wide receiver room. And that's a room, how can I say this, a room that we are looking to turn over. Yeah. Um, there's There's got to be a new vibe and a new spirit in that room. And when you start to look at the guys coming in, you look at a Mario Craver, uh, J.J. Harrell, Ricky Johnson, a guy who was supposed to be going to Stanford, uh, and then the the transfer from UTEP. You add some you add some guys in that room on the offensive line. You add some development pieces, but then you also bring in a guy that you think can play pretty quick, and a Marlon Martinez, and a, a center, and Ethan Miner. 
And so there's still a lot, a lot to be done, I believe. But I, I look, man, that, that's the thing that, that I, I've been reading and, and listening to people is, you know, why haven't we done more in the portal? Why haven't we done more portal? Teams have been preparing to recruit the portal for months. And basically what happened to this coaching staff is you got a marathon and everybody else is uh, four-fifths down the, down the course. And, and now you're getting the start line and saying go. That's, that's pretty tough. And what they did, putting this, keeping this class together, bringing in the people they did, I think is really impressive. So as the, the casual fan, and what have we always said? What's the old adage? It's never as, as good as it seems, and it's never as bad as it seems. Is that what you would put this signing day class as, or would you put it closer to it may be as good as it seems? Well, I would put it right now is it's an incomplete. It's not yet done. I think we will be able to evaluate this class a lot better in two weeks. In two weeks, we'll know a lot more about what this roster is going to look like. Remind people, too, there's a second transfer window that takes place on the back half of April after spring practice is done. So there's, there's still a lot to shake out about this. But the guys who have their name on the dotted line I think you have to feel good about. Had some good momentum at the end of the year with the Bulldog Initiative, and now a new year turns. The calendar year is going to turn to 2024 next week, and that's something that that continues. I mean, it's not a situation of we got all the money we need. It's one of those deals of you got to continue to go. <laughs> you got to keep feeding the monster. Hey, I tell you what, speaking of Bulldog Initiative, I saw all the new swag by Maroon and Company. It's pretty cool stuff. Man, those guys have been great. Yeah, they really have. Maroon and Company in the Cotton Mill Marketplace here in Starkville, right by Chick-fil-A. You can go to maroonandco.com and see all that uh, those great lines of uh, Bulldog Initiative merchandise. Wyatt Craig and his gang have been fantastic to work with. And so go to uh, Maroon and Company for all your Mississippi State needs, all the logos, and, of course, type in the code NIL10, NIL10 online or in-store and 10% of your purchase. They'll give 5% back to the Bulldog Initiative. You'll get 10% off your purchase with NIL10. And also, one of the great things about uh, being away for the past few days is I have actually eaten well, other than the, the red beans and rice that Jen cooked the other night. And, Charlie, I know that you like the jalapeno cheddar in the red beans and rice, but... Here's one of the cornerstones that a lot of people forget about with country meat packers and country pleasing sausage. Their andouille is one of the things that puts them on the map, especially with restaurateurs in the city of New Orleans. Their andouille is fantastic. So we put andouille in our red beans and rice. It was great. Go to countrypleasing.com to see all the different varieties. And, of course, they sell it throughout the southeast. Country Meat Packers down in Florence, Mississippi on Highway 49. New butcher shop down there. They're dry-aging steaks, a lot of beef jerky, so country-pleasing sausage. All right, when you went to New York or you went to Newark, we played in Newark, right? We did. Did you stay in Newark or did you stay in the city? In the city, right on the edge of Times Square at the Renaissance. Okay. I'm a Marriott points guy. Are you? All right. So I actually had someone ask me. I had a relative that went to New York 
uh, I guess a month and a half ago, and it was the first time they had ever been. And so they asked me, hey, I know you've been up there several times. What would you do? And so I spent like a day researching. It was one Saturday afternoon. I love New York. I absolutely. Some people hate it. Some people love it. I'm one of those that I love New York. I love it. Yeah. If you were to tell someone who is going for the first time, okay, these are five things you have to do on your first trip. What would you say you had to do? What time of year? Uh, let's say the Because fall. Christmas and summer are different. Because summer, I'm going to work in a Yankees game. Yeah. And winter, you're going to think more of the Rockefeller Center area and the Christmas tree and and those kind of things. Or you can go to a Rangers game. Thought about doing that. So they I, were there. I thought about it. I went to a Rangers game a couple years ago. They were playing the Islanders. Sold out. And it was Sims's first ever hockey game. It was live, and he it hooked him. It was fantastic. I've you been know, to Billy Joel was there on the nineteenth. Of course, we weren't there yet, but a friend of ours made it, and that would have been an interesting trip. Do you always fly into LaGuardia? No, um, I've flown into Newark to JFK, LaGuardia. It's it's all a price factor for me. Okay, because you can take the uh, the direct flight from Birmingham to LaGuardia, and that is what I did this time. Which and is man, fantastic. It was great. Oh, I love it. I have flown into Newark before, taken the train in. You go right into Penn Station at Madison Square Garden. Um, are you a big pizza guy? I am. So John's Pizza. John's on Bleecker Street? No, this one's the one over, I think it's on about 42nd, maybe. Yeah. 44th. But John's Pizza, it's an old, uh, it's actually an old church building there in the middle of the road, but it is. It's big time. Have you ever walked the Brooklyn Bridge and gone to Grimaldi's? No, I've not. Okay, so that's what I usually tell first-timers to do is to walk the Brooklyn Bridge and go to Grimaldi's. Now, I will say this. Anytime you're going to New York for the first time, I do recommend doing the Circle Line Tour. Yes. the You're talking about like the double buses, the double-decker things? No, I'm talking about the boats. Oh, the boats. Really? I've never done that. What? Yeah. You can do the half tour or the whole tour. The whole tour takes you around. It starts at that pier on the it's just south west of Madison Square Garden. And it takes you I think it's like Pier forty seven or something. And it takes you all the way around Manhattan, up the East River, and then it pops you back out on the Hudson. You've never done that. Then you got the half that takes you under the Brooklyn Bridge and it comes back around by you go by the uh Statue of Liberty and all that stuff. No, I've done the Staten Island Ferry. Now, the things that I do, and this will tie back into the podcast that we've talked about listening to, our thing, Sammy the Bull. You know, I, I can, you know, I like to go to Columbus Circle, which is where Joe Colombo was shot and later died. I went to what used to be, it's now moved down the, the street a couple of ways. I went to Little Italy to the former location of Umberto's Clam House. Because that's where Crazy Joe Gallo was shot in April of 74 and killed while eating. Jerry Orbach, by the way, of Law & Order fame, was supposed to have been at dinner with him. So how might your viewing experiences have changed? Spark Steakhouse? Spark Steakhouse. Didn't eat there. Thought about it. That's where Paul Castellano, uh, Paul Castellano was killed as uh, Gotti sat there and looked on. So took in all those things. I went to... Descendant of Thieves. This is my favorite clothing item that I have right now. I have a navy blue hoodie that cost me a stupid amount of money, but 
the old Ravenite Social Club, which oh. is where the Gambino family hung out and later became Gotti's Hangout, is now a clothing store. Is it really? And it's an indie clothing store. They only make 200 pieces of anything they do. And so I went in, bought a sweatshirt, and you'll be seeing that a lot. But So you asked, though, my top five things, and not to go too far down the New York thing, for me is just simply going down to Battery Park and meandering back to, to Times Square. That's one day. Hit up a lot of little Italy spots. Then day in Central Park, went to Mass um, on Christmas Eve at St. Patrick's Cathedral, which was um, a really good experience. And so, Have you ever done the rowboats in Central Park? No, I haven't done that. Yeah, Jen kind of whipped me into that one day. I about died. It was a hot summer day, and I'm out there in the middle of Central Park rowing a boat. That was uh, that was one of my least favorite things I've ever done, but I love Central Park. So, yeah. New York, I will say this. I have just discovered the whole direct flight out of Birmingham thing. I don't know that I will ever go a different way from now on. I know you think this is crazy, but when you look back at your life and like, you know what, I wish I may have done something a little bit different. I think graduating college, looking back now, I think I could have lived a year or two in New York. So I actually had a friend of mine, uh, my law school roommate, who moved to New York and stayed about two years. And after that... It was one of those things. Of course, he moved to San Francisco, which is probably the second most expensive place. To, and it may even be more expensive than New York. But just the never seeing a tree, yeah, you know, not hearing birds. Year two to figure kinda, it out. You talking about figuring out life? If you're 22 years old, having to figure it out on your own, you can figure it out in a hurry. I love New York. Yeah, there's some lessons to be learned on the mean streets. Did you go to Katz's Deli? I did not. Have you been to Katz's Deli? I have, yeah. I mean, if people like, I like pastrami and I like, corned beef but there's a lot of great delis up there you know what else i like mark what's that i like winning baseball games baseball it's not long now charlie we're gonna turn the page we're less than two months away and then we'll get back into all of our shows for the springtime you and i have a bunch of baseball to broadcast well because basically the season starts and we don't leave home yeah and it is not it's every weekend and most of the midweeks too. So I will say this. You know how we have said before, I don't know if we'll know this weekend if we're any good, but we'll know if we're not. That's how this pre conference schedule is going to shake up for us. Yeah, we're not going to know if we're any good, but we're going to definitely know if we're not. Because if we don't have an outstanding <laughs> record coming out of the pre conference season this year, it's going to be trouble. Now, I for one, and look, I'm around, people always, man, what about baseball? I, I'm not picking us to win the league. Don't get me wrong. But I think you're going to see a better baseball team. I think. I hope so. I think it's going to be. Now, I think it's going to be one of those things where it's better, but people are maybe frustrated that it's not better enough. But I, but I do think it is going to be better. And I think one of the reasons it's going to be better is I think we have to keep this in mind. Our problem the past two seasons, let me, I shouldn't say our problem because we've had many. But to me, the most glaring, the most significant, the most impactful problem has been a complete inability to be competitive on the mound. All, if we had gone back and just had bad pitching the last two years, we'd have been a decent team. See, I got a 1A to 1B situation right here. Okay. I know the 1A is throwing strikes. The 1B... And I go back to our final show last year of the season. 
is the Myers-Briggs. I want some dogs. I want some guys who are dogs out there. Well, I'll tell you this. The new guys that they have brought in are different. They're different, man. You talk to a Jackson McKenzie. You mean, this? these guys are different. A Shulky, he's different. Uh, a Nolan Stevens, a Dylan Cup. I mean, these guys are – now, the challenge is going to be this. They have the personality, but it's a big, big ask to ask a new guy. Oh, it is. To be elite in this league. It's very, very hard. Yep, especially when teams get scout reports. They're watching every pitch. That's the Hey, that's the, the double-edged sword of the broadcast being every game. Used to all the scouting reports of baseball guys came on just a coach seeing them and saying, hey, this guy didn't hit a curveball real well. Now they're watching every single pitch, and the scouting reports that teams are getting on every single player, it's, uh, it's pretty phenomenal. You know, one of the things I've talked to a number of college coaches, and it surprised me, is how much they watch the televised broadcast, or if they're out scouting, they'll have a little earpiece in. They're listening to the opposing radio. Yeah. Because unknowingly, a lot of times, announcers will give them things they didn't know and wouldn't have been able to see from a box score, which is, you know, banged his wrist sliding into second last week. Seems to be doing a little better. You know, there's a lot of those things that you can pick up. So those guys probably listen and watch more than anybody. Yep. Hey, Pat Casey told us a couple of years ago he's watched us a bunch. He'll turn on a lot of Mississippi State games out in Corvallis, Oregon. Yeah, so it's pretty cool. It really is. Hey, um, I put in a basketball goal, basketball court, and one of the first calls I made was to Howard Technologies, and they're putting together a lighting program for me. They're going to put the lights. And so the that's the great thing about Howard Technology Solutions. They can help you in the computer world. They can help you in the electronics. Go to HowardComputers.com to see how they can help you with computer security or your fiscal security. But they're also the one of their mainstays is lighting. And if you have a basketball court, if you if you have a shopping center and you're needing new lighting, you can give them a call and they can help you out in any way possible. Howard Technology Solutions and also our good friends at Canon Ford to start. Well, nobody beats a Canon deal. Nobody. Service centers now open on Saturdays from 8 to 12. If you had a little ding, had a deer run to the side of your truck like I did a couple weeks ago, you can take your your, your vehicle to the to the body shop. But, of course, a new or used car, they have a growing inventory of cars and trucks at Cannon Ford of Startwell, just east of Startwell on Highway 182. Hey, Charlie, enjoyed it, man. Man, I did too. Yeah, a little football recruiting, a little basketball, baseball. You got me wanting to go back to New York. You'd be a great tour guide. I love Man, there's lots of stuff to do. I think all my little fun facts kind of worth thin about day two on the family, though. Did you plan the whole thing out, or was it just ad lib? More of a read and react guy. But I, I mean, you have to have a plan. I mean, we had a we had a plan to attack it, but it was one built from experience. Now, but we did ad lib. For example, going to church Saturday just kind of happened. Was it going to church because you were yelling at everybody? No, it was because, you know, I wanted to be in St. Patrick's. The the issue is getting in. Yeah. You know, it's it's a it's a tough ticket this time of year. Yeah. Sometimes so. I start yelling to kids and I feel like I do need to go to, to church. No, I none of that came out of me on this trip. Go to mass even though I'm not Catholic. Just because need to confess a few things. Yeah. Hey, enjoyed it. 
thanks to you, uh, all you guys for listening today. And once again, thanks to our good friends at Farm Bureau. Go with the home team at Farm Bureau. Check them out at favorites.com. Maroon and Company, go to maroonandco.com, type in the code NIL10 and get that great Bulldog Initiative gear. Country Pleasing Sausage. Howard Technology Solutions, go to howardcomputers.com. Cannon Ford of Startwell. And also our friends at Trax Plus. I cut those trails in a couple weeks ago, but down on the farm, down in the woods, and I've done done a lot of walking on those walking trails, and they can clean up some woods for you with the, the Rayco, the Barco, our good friends at Trax Plus. Saney Excavators and Mini Excavators, TraxPlus.com to see their wide range of new and used heavy machinery. So for Charlie Winfield, I'm Bart Gregory. Appreciate you guys hanging out with us.